How do we really know if we're hearing from God? Today, we'll get instruction from one of the greatest masters in prayer, St. Teresa of Avila, as we dive back into Interior Castles, Six Mansions, Chapter 3, Part 1. Welcome, Tales of Glory listeners. I'd like to invite back my... Looks like I have four listeners and a dog now. This last couple of eight weeks, you guys know, I've been kind of disappeared and I haven't been doing much podcast updates, but I was teaching a class down at uh, Freedom Culture Church in Fremont on spiritual authority. And I co-authored that and co-worked with um, William George down there, Bill George, who's a uh, head of the free healing rooms down there. And we did an eight-session class and it was phenomenal. A lot of good stuff. Graduate a lot of good people, all the way from spiritual authority to what to do if you step into a situation that requires exorcism, and all in between. Good stuff. Well, now I get to dive back into my passion, St. Teresa of Avila. Actually, if you were in the class, you probably recall I presented a lot of material from St. Teresa of Avila in this, and especially all through my podcast, I always mention the Interior Castle Six Mansions Chapter 3 because it talks about hearing God. It talks about visions, and it talks about all other cool things we have um, in our experience with interacting with God through prayer. And finally, finally, here we are. This is episode 72, and I get to touch upon the Six Mansions, Chapter 3. Awesome stuff. This actually said it's going to be part one. There's a lot of stuff here. And we're going to go through this, and it's going to be exciting, man. I'm excited about it. So what do we have here? So, in the six mansions, we already know that Teresa devotes 11 chapters to the six mansions. And we're only in chapter 3 right now. It's going to be a while. By far, the longest and most developed section in the entire treatise is the six mansions. In them, she examines the prayer of spiritual betrothal. That's where we're at right now, remember? In the fifth mansions, God was going to promise himself to us. Jesus was going to promise himself to us in our state of relationships. And here is spiritual betrothal. Now, we're talking about the engagement the mystical state that flows directly from prayer of union. The stage of the soul's inner journey has a lot to do with rarefied mystical experiences such as locutions, which means to speak, and we'll touch upon that. Visions, both intellectual and imaginative, and this fascinating thing called raptures. And we'll talk about these in detail. And I'm quoting from Dennis Billy, The Interior Castle, the classic text with spiritual commentary. That is a very good book to pick up. I mentioned that before. It's a good thing to read alongside because sometimes the translation from Spanish to modern English of St. Teresa of Avila isn't all that great. And it's good to have Dennis Billy's commentary to read. Oh, okay, that's what she's saying. You know, I've been there too. I've been there with this book many times. My book's tattered. I finally bought the Kindle vision. My book was so tattered and marked up. Again, Back in the fifth mansions, we experience a vision of Jesus who promises himself to the soul. St. Teresa used this analogy of spiritual engagement. So now we're in this spiritual betrothal now. This is the stage before spiritual marriage, which is the seventh mansion. In the sixth mansion, you have this peace that Jesus has promised to give himself to you in betrothal. There were many harsh trials in the sixth mansion, and we're going to talk about that. There were harsh trials in the fifth mansions. It just They just keep coming. Don't think they're ever going to go away, because they don't. It's how God cleans us up more and more till we um, have that spiritual marriage with them. 
So here, Jesus prepares the heart and soul for deeper union in preparation for spiritual marriage. How does he prepare the heart for deeper union? Trials, you guessed it. Jesus wakes up the faculties where in the fifth mansions they were asleep. Again, in this stage, if we're talking about the mystical experiences in the sixth mansions, we're talking about the fourth waters. Remember, there's four waters of prayer. Here is the fourth water. It's described as rain, where Jesus just shows up and it just rains down on us, right? It's the highest stage where the soul does not control its senses, its ecstasy of prayer, but for a short time is lost in contemplation and rejoicing. This prayer is generally very short, lasting only a moment or a few minutes at a time. When this happens, we are abiding in Christ in a way that we know but cannot explain. But also we have no memory of what happened during this time, whether we are reading or recalling an event in Christ's life or engaging vocal prayer. So we have this, just this experience where God just comes into us and we're just absorbed in that. And we may not recall what Jesus spoke with us about or just maybe we were just sitting there and quiet with him in his presence. So we may not have any recall of what happened that time because probably something different. It was just being with Jesus, hanging out with him in his presence. So let's dive in here. We are in the Six Mansions, Chapter 3, and this is all about locutions. Locutions is Latin, means speak or to speak. Here in the Six Mansions, the soul can be awakened in the Sixth Mansion through hearing God speak. This is an interesting topic because I know when I opened up my class, I asked several people out there like, hey, is God speaking to you? I think initially we had a class of about 70 or 80 people and quite a few hands went up that they're they're moving towards spiritual warfare, but they're not hearing God yet. So this is a good section to dive into and understand and learn how to start hearing God and what does he sound like. And again, we're going to get instructions from the master here, St. Teresa of Avila, who was the just the I mean at the top of her game in prayer, and she was able to document the stages of prayer here in the interior castle, which is why we even cover it. I know I get feedback too because um, like I said I'm a I'm a I'm a Pentecostal, a man who has a brain on fire, but I'm radically in the middle. And many times people go, "Isn't that a Catholic subject?" And I go, "Yeah, it is." But she loved Jesus. I mean, she was phenomenal where her heart was. Yeah, there's some Catholic themes in here, but. We're not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater because, oh, it's Catholic, it's not good. You know, like we got to be careful that. This woman knew how to pray and she knew the different stages of prayer. And if you read her all the way through her book and understand it, you're going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So it's kind of like a roadmap as you read it for where are you in your interior prayer life. And you'll find the markers there as you read through her book and go, oh, I, I'm not quite where I need to be. And I see these experiences happening or where my. Humility needs to be in prayer, and it's not there. Remember, humble yourself before God and pray. That's what she talks about here. She's fascinating. Just, I mean, I love it. I love reading her stuff and her wit, too. It just jumps out in her, even the translation, her wit jumps out. So I want to drop in some notes here before we start. St. Teresa opens Six Mansions, Chapter 3, with a subject header. In this chapter, she will speak on how sometimes God is pleased to speak to the soul. The contents of the Six Mansions, Chapter 3, are about what we should do when we believe we hear from God. You should rely on your soul for answers. You know, is that what should we do? Should we rely on our soul? What if we are not hearing God? And this is a deception. What do we do? Well, St. Teresa answers those questions for us. She's very thorough. So let's dive in. Chapter 3, Subject Header. 
treats of the same subject and of the way God is sometimes pleased to speak to the soul. How we should have been in such a case in which we must not follow our own opinion, give signs to show how to discover whether this favor is a deception or not, and this is very noteworthy. Those are her words, her chapter header. Very worthy indeed. Let's dive in. This paragraph is titled Locutions, or Introduction. God arouses a soul in another manner which, through in some ways apparently a greater favor than the above mentioned, yet may prove more dangerous. Therefore, I will give some particulars about it. He does this by means of words addressed to the soul in many different ways. Sometimes they appear to come from without, other times from the inner depths of the soul, or again from its superior part. She's talking about the imagination, right? God's using our, our interior communications facilities. I'll continue. While other speeches are so exterior as to be heard by the ears like a real voice. Do not disturb them by saying that it comes from the devil, but listen to them as if they were sick persons, it seems, to them. Let the prioress or confessor to whom they tell their story bid them think no more of it as such matters are not essential in their service of God. The devil has deceived many Christians, thus, although perhaps it is not so in their case, therefore they need not trouble themselves about it. That's interesting, right? Why don't you make a comment about that? Because some Christians may be deceived by listening to their soul, and we're going to dive more into this. That was her, her comment there. So St. Teresa identifies from her experience the three ways in which we hear from God. Interior, superior, right? I talked about that. That's, that's deep inside where we have our communications facility. She calls it the imagination, right? The imagination hears from deep inside, the depths of the soul. That's, this is God or spirits can speak through that. The interior part of the soul, which is not superior, can be soulish. So she says the soul fabricates locutions. They're not genuine and they can be an illusion. Then there's the exterior, audible, heard like a natural voice. Like you hear God speak. I've heard that happen before too, at least once or twice. It's fascinating when this happens. Teresa comments on how to handle locutions with those who suffer from melancholy, overtaken by depression. She warns in these cases that locutions can be an illusion from the depressed soul. So what's happening? If they're depressed and they think they're hearing from God, it's the soul fabricating it from the imagination. So the imagination, we have to be careful with. That's her warning right here. The imagination in the superior part can be the receiver antenna part to God, or the inferior part can be where we just create stuff and make it up. And it happens quite a bit. You ever been in church when somebody pops up and goes, so saith the Lord, and then repeats something, you're going, okay, that's interesting. You know, well, how do we know the Lord said that? How do we know you hear from the Lord, right? Those are my always question marks and people jump up and say that. It's like, you know, what if I heard differently? Is that because you said, so saith the Lord, does that throw off what I heard? You know, things like this are interesting. We've got to pay careful attention to, and St. Teresa addresses this as we hear from God, or locutions, as she calls it. Paragraph two, sometimes caused by melancholy, or what she calls depression. At times, indeed, very often, this may be only a fancy, especially with persons of a lively imagination or who are afflicted with melancholy, to any marked extent. I think that no attention should be paid to either of these people when they say they hear or learn anything supernaturally. This, Thus we must accommodate ourselves to their humor. If we tell them their fancies proceed from melancholy, there will be no end to the matter, for they will persist and maintain they have seen and heard these things, for it seems to them. 
So what we have here, St. Teresa instructs us to humor those with overactive or feeble imaginations who consistently believe they're hearing from God. So reading between the lines, don't argue with a fool over the authenticity of hearing God. These individuals will swear they're hearing things and believe it. Let the house prioress, as she said, the confessor or spiritual director, bring them correction. When the soul wakes up to hear God, it requires spiritual direction and correction. So we start hearing from God. What's fascinating is, nowadays in the charismatic circles, we'll have somebody walk up to some person and go, oh, I hear you, you have an office of a prophet or something like that. And to me, that's a red flag, big red flag, because one, it's blatantly obvious that we all hear from God. It's Joel 2.20. The prophetic, the Holy Spirit was poured out in all of us, so we all hear from God. And to identify offices, I think, is, and, you know, always had that, that brother, that brother told me, and he, he hears from God and stuff. How do we know? Like I said, I've been through counseling with some of these people who hold offices, and they can't hear God when I ask them questions. Well, ask God this. You know, a simple question. What does God think about this about you? Why well, don't hear from God? I was like, well, how are you a prophet? And they'll fabricate these weird things and, and excite people to do this. Well, I hear a, a massive flood is coming to your state. Well, I hear God's going to wipe out the northern part of, um, you know, North America and stuff. And so we all need to move, you know, and it's just, and these guys claim to hold offices and people flock to them, listen to them. No, no. Hearing God is subtle and it's not stuff like this. And if there's going to be a major disaster, God's going to let all his his followers hear it. He's going to let everybody hear it, whether in dreams or speak to them or just feel through conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's time to pick up and move. So there's problems here. So what she's saying is, if you're not a spiritual director, don't correct this person, but don't give them any attention to it. Like, oh, you know, change the subject on them. Like, hey, look at the weather, you know, or something like that. Don't correct them. So get in an argument with you and throw in your face that I've had this happen before. I hold an office. Therefore, I'm hearing from God. Like, no. You know, let a person learned above them, a spiritual director, give them correction. Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of spiritual direction going on. I see a lot of spiritual directors out there and people with these titles, and they're not doing this sort of spiritual correction. They're, they're kind of um, encouraging the problem rather than having the spiritual maturity to go correct the problem and raise up a decent um, person that can hear from God. Paragraph three, caution needed at first. The truth is, care should be taken to keep such people from too much prayer and to persuade them as far as possible to take notice of their fancies. The devil makes use of these weak souls to injure others, even if they themselves escape unhurt. There is need for caution both of feeble and strong souls at first, until it is certain from what spirit these things proceed. How do we hurt others? Well, if you're a brother who thinks you're prophetic and you walk into a deliverance session and you deliver false prophetic messages... You just damage the person receiving it. And the person is having mental wellness issues and he delivered a false prophecy. You could totally spin off this person. I mean, if had it happened to me, I work with ritual abuse survivors. These false prophets come in. Oh, this brother told me this. I go, oh God, not again. It would take us weeks to undo what this individual done. And because they're dissociated, we could fix the problem, but we'll be back again and revisiting it six weeks later, right? Or three weeks later. So these people could do lots of damage in their rings. I see a lot done, and even with um, people who don't have um, any mental wellness issues with deliverance, it's delivered by the such and such brother. And I've I've seen a lot of these guys, and usually now I take them off the side and speak with them, and bring correction because we have to. 
I've been doing this for about 20 years. I've been to a lot of events that are prophetic. I've been trained by a lot of prophetic ministers who gave me correction. I've been trained by deliverance ministers who gave me correction. The point here is we're raising little brat prophetic kids who do what they want, and they have received no discipline from elders or from God. God's probably trying to discipline them, but they're not listening because they can't hear because they're listening to their own garbage here. But I digress. Let's move along. So back to St. Teresa. I maintain that in the beginning, it was always wiser to resist these communications. If they come from God, this is the best way to receive more. For they increase when discouraged. At the same time, the soul should not be too strictly controlled or disquieted, for it cannot help itself in that matter. So what she's saying here. St. Teresa advises that if you discern a soul to be melancholy or with overactive imagination, i.e. the person that's holding office and just telling weird stuff, to test the spirit of the locutions. Again, a priorist, confessor, or spiritual director will take away the prayer that is a source instigating these locutions. If the locutions are from the demonic, this will shut down the spiritual chatter. This action will help the spiritual directors understand the spirit of the person receiving the locutions is well understood. If the locutions are generally from God, they will persist anyway. During this time of testing, do not exasperate the soul you're working with. So what's this saying? If you had the person shut down in prayer just for a while, and some of these things coming from God, like we're saying there could actually be people really hearing from God, but some of their um, things they're saying are so wild that the spiritual director's like, that, that, that can't be right. And I've had that happen too. I've had it happen with a pastor who was a PhD. I always bring him up, right? And it just, it always swayed him when something supernatural hit. So you can get, you can get bad spiritual direction from somebody above you. That happens if she's telling how to discern it. So if you shut down the prayer and you're still getting the same message and it's coming through, God will persist past the demonic. So during this time of testing, it's like, don't exasperate the soul. Keep shutting down. No, no, not hearing that. You're not hearing that. You'll know, have them write it down, have them journal it, whatever, of what they're hearing and go back to the spiritual director and revisit it and see what's going on and test the spirit, discern it. I've had lots of bad prophetic Minister show up on my doorstep and some didn't want to receive help. Um, some were horrendous and they were just attacking other prophetic ministers. You know, and that, that's a Jezebel spirit right there. That's something, that's a satanic angel you have to deal with in the church. But I, I don't want to digress there yet because that launches a can of worms. So chapter four, locutions frequently occur during prayer. To return to discuss the words addressed to the soul, any kind I mentioned may come from either God the devil or the imagination. One, two, three right there. God, the devil, or imagination. Returning back to her text. By the help of God, I will endeavor to describe the signs distinguishing the one from the other and when these locutions are dangerous for they occur to many persons who praise prayer. I do not wish to think, sisters, that there is any harm either in believing or disregarding them when they only counsel you or warn you of your faults. It matters not whence they come or whether they are only fancies. So what she's saying here, locutions may come from God, the demonic, or our soul, the imagination. In other words, our, our, our soul made it up. Our soul does pretty weird things. Once it knows how to hear from God, it can fabricate it. Go, hey, you know, give you a quick answer and something. You know, say, spend this money and buy a car. And your soul will go, sure you do. You don't sound like God. Like, nope, it's not God. Teresa will guide us in distinguishing the real locutions from God. It's okay, initially discerning, to give credence to or disregard when they are only 
for your own benefit or consolation. So what she's saying there, if you get a word from God, a locution where he's saying he's, he's benefiting you, he's, he's uplifting you or encouraging you, it's okay to either give it credence or disregard it. I've had people who are so off the deep end when I mention something like this, how dare you throw away the word of God? We're not tossing it away. We have to discern nowadays. And what they were saying is they receive everything and they can't discern the difference between what is God and what isn't. And it's okay if we put something on a shelf for a while and leave it there and see if it becomes fruitful. It's okay to do that too. But if it's not, dis discard it. We have to be careful. There's a lot of crazy stuff going out there right now. We got to dial it back in. Chapter 5, Resist Those Containing False Doctrine I caution you on one point, although they may come from God, you must not esteem yourself more highly, for he often spoke to the Pharisees. All the good consists in profiting by his words. Here she is again. She's nailing somebody for something. Take no more notice of any speeches you hear, which disagree with the Holy Scriptures than if you heard them from Satan himself. Though they may only arise from your vivid imagination, Look upon them as temptation against the faith. Always resist them. Then they will leave you and cease, for they have little strength of their own. So here she goes. Don't esteem yourself high with God because you receive locution. She said, St. Teresa even <laughs> spoke to the Pharisees. That's funny. So St. Teresa wouldn't give credence to the notion of spiritual offices, like I said before. Humility. When you're dealing with God, it's humility. You're bowing down before him. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. You don't have an office there. You're a servant. Jesus was a servant. Remember that. Number two, disregard anything you hear that conflicts with scripture. If it conflicts with scripture or it's negative, it did not come from God. When you receive a locution that's not from God, discard it. Throw it away right away. And she goes, we'll have no more life if you throw it away. Paragraph six, first sign of genuine locutions. Now let's return to the first point, whether these communications come from the inferior or superior part of the soul or from without. Does not affect their originating from God. Paragraph seven, effect of the words, be not troubled. In my opinion, these are the most certain signs of their being divine. The first and truest is the power and authority they carry with them, for these words are operative. For example, a soul is suffering all the sorrow and disquiet I have described. The mind is darkened and dry, but is set at peace, freedom from all trouble, and filled with light merely by hearing the words, Be not troubled. These deliver it from all pains, although it Felt as though if the whole world and all its theologians had united in trying to persuade it, there is no cause of grief. It could not, in spite of all their efforts, have been delivered from its affliction. So what she's saying here. So the first signs that locutions are from God is they bring the soul peace. Come with power and authority. They're bringing you a call to do something. And brings peace to the soul through tribulations. So if you're going through a trial of tribulations and... The soul is distraught. It'll bring you peace during this time. The words from God are uplifting. They bring, they're peaceful. The Holy Spirit is peace, not chaos. Paragraph 8. It is I. Be not afraid. Again, a person is troubled and greatly terrified as being told by her confessor and other people that her soul is under the influence of the evil one. She hears a single sentence which says, It is I. 
be not afraid. And it is once freed from all fears and filled with consolation. Indeed, she believes it would be impossible for anyone to disturb her confidence. So what's happening here? She's just talking about what happens when she gets some bum advice from unlearned spiritual directors. So in other words here, proceed with caution. You must be, I mean, these, these are experienced people in prayer who can discern between what's good advice, what's bad advice, and when not to operate in pride and be soulish and say they have an office. Proceed with caution here. What happens when we wrongly discern the locutions from the demonic? That happens. I mean, I've had a person DID yell at my face. I gave them a, um, a prophetic word and they twisted it, totally twisted it. I was like, oh my God, I never said that. You know, this stuff can happen too. All sorts of crazy stuff happens. That's what I'm saying. When you're in a deliverance session, never ever give a person a prophetic word. Never ever. You'll find out why. Why, Mike? You'll find out. It'll blow up in your face. Especially if the person has multiple identities. Because you don't know who you're giving a prophetic word to. If you're not giving it to the core Christian person with something multiple identities, it'll blow up in your face. It'll come back demonic. They'll twist it. So the locutions from God bring peace to the soul during this affliction oppression. That's another sign. So if a confessor or a spiritual director gives you bum advice and you feel like that's totally not right and it doesn't sit right in the Holy Spirit, not on your soul, it doesn't sit right with you in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will vindicate you with, through this, okay? And he'll bring you peace. That's important. I'm not saying to butt heads with a spiritual director because you don't agree with what they're saying. You need to listen to what they're saying. Or if you just discern they're totally off base, go find someone else. Paragraph 9, be at peace. Again, when exceedingly anxious about important business, not knowing whether or not it will be successful, on hearing words bidding her, be at peace, all will go well, she feels reassured and free from all care and matter. Many other instances of the same sort could be mentioned. That's the first sign. The second sign. The second sign is a great calm and devout and peaceful recollection. Remember, she's in the presence of God, a peaceful recollection, which dwell in the soul together with a desire to praise God. They say that communications at any rate in this mansion are not uttered direly by God, but are transmitted by an angel. Then, O oh my God, if a word sent to us by thee through thy messenger has such force, what effects wilt thou not leave in the soul united to thee in a mutual bond of love? Okay, so let's recap. Second sign that locutions are from God. The soul experiences a peaceful recollection. It goes into a, the presence of God very peacefully. And she doesn't state whether this is a fused recollection or it's an acquired recollection. She just goes into her recollection like she usually does a pray and there's a total peace there. So locutions are primarily from God. And I want to interject here. She said so they might be from angels. We know better now than to converse with angels. We know this down the road because we don't know who's answering the phone call. Many times when we're in the presence of God, Jesus speaks to us directly. We don't need angels. And when I work with a lot of charismatics, they're always saying, I'm talking to my angels. My angels are going before me. I'm ordering my angels. Like, nope, never ever do that. That's bad. Very bad. If you want to know why, you need to take my class on... Uh, Spiritual authority we had there. They'll tell exactly why you don't talk with angels. I usually have intercessors butt heads of me or somebody charismatic. Why? I have my angels go before me. And especially 
if you're a survivor of ritual abuse, never ever practice having your angels go before you. Never ever. And you probably just nod your head and you know why now. Okay, last, last reason. The soul feels bound to God with love. So it's a second sign that locution is for God. Your soul feels bound to God with love. It's, it's a positive, encouraging experience. It's uplifting. It's not negative. Move along to the third sign. The third proof is that these words do not pass from the memory, but remain there for a very long time. Sometimes they are never forgotten. This is not the case with what men may utter, which, however grave and learned they may be, is thus not impressed on my memory. Neither if they prophesy of things to come do we believe them as they do these divine locutions which leave us so convinced of their truth that, although their fulfillment sometimes seems utterly impossible, and we will vacillate and doubt them, there still remains in the soul a certainty of their veridity which cannot be destroyed. Perhaps everything may seem to militate against what was heard, and years pass by, yet the spirit never loses its belief that God will make use of means unknown to men for the purpose that will finally was foretold most surely happen, as indeed it does. So what's the third sign here? That was, this was packed. What God shared with you stays supernaturally imprinted in your memory. It doesn't fade over time. Words shared from learned men do not stay with us in our memory. It fades. There is a certitude, and she uses that word a lot. I like using it. There's a certainty, a certitude that although what was experienced was supernatural, the intellect gives the assurance that the experience was real. So you're Mental intellect reinforces, um, yeah, that was crazy. It was supernatural, but I'm going to stamp this as being, in fact, real. I'm going to certify it. Prophecy from divine locution will eventually come to pass. So, in other words, if you listen to all these people, remember I called up the Purple Hell Lady, and then, then there we have the Moses with the, the staff or the, the stick. <laughs> he throws down, turns into a snake. Remember those prophets? I don't hear much about them anymore. They kind of disappeared. Remember they're prophesying left and right about Trump's being returned to office supernaturally? It never happened. That was false prophecy. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of charismatic Christians flocked to that and just, you know, drank from that bowl constantly. It was it was bad stuff. You could see it right away, it was bad. But there, it was not divine locution. And I hope you people don't give these people any more sense nor any more time of day. I know once the Moses with his uh, little staff, he, he's still around. And I can't see how he is. <laughs> right? It's crazy. He's got the Moses hair going on and the staff he throws down to a snake. I don't know what, what happens with the staff, but he, he's false. It's a show. It's a Vegas show. But let's move along. Number 12, the devil suggests doubts about true locutions. Still, as I said, the soul is troubled at seeing many obstacles in the way of accomplishments of the prophecy. The words, their effects, the assurance they carry with them convince the soul at the moment that they came from God. Afterwards, however, doubts arise as to whether the locutions came from the devil or from the imagination, although while hearing them, the person would have died to defend their truth. But as I said, these misgivings may be suggested by the evil one to afflict and intimidate her, especially if by carrying out a command thus given great good result to souls and to some work be done conducing notably to the honor and service of God, concerning which great difficulties have to be overcome. In such cases, where will Satan stop short? At least he weakens faith and is a terrible evil to doubt that God has power to work in a way far beyond our understanding. 
So what she's saying here, the demonic will have us doubt locutions from God. A word from God may not happen right away. Get this in your minds right away because it's God's out of time here. He'll show us something early on. I've been shown lots of things early on, and it took like 10 years or longer to come to fruition or bring understanding to. So a word from God may not happen right away. The demonic will oppress the soul that the locution was false to bring hopelessness to that locution. Certitude of authenticity of the locution will bring hope that one day it will be fulfilled. So your intellect's going, no, I'm pretty sure that was authentic. We just have to put this on a shelf or in storage until it comes to fruition, and we'll pull it back off the shelf and re-examine it. Mature souls are consoled when the promise of locution is fulfilled. So they waited over a long period of time. If you're a mature soul, you know this. Satan brings doubt. Mature souls must operate in long-term understanding. Yep, we're no longer a fast food industry Christianity here. When you're in the six mansions, everything is long-term and spread out. You'll get a word and go, oh, that's pretty cool. Wow, that was definitely from God. Okay, I'll file it until it comes back. And when it does come back, you'll know right away. I'll just pop right back in memory like, wow, that was true. That's cool. I knew it was true. So 13, confidence of the soul rewarded. Despite all these difficulties, all the confessors consulted on these matters say the words were but fancies. While events take such an unfavorable turn as to make the realization of the predictions seem impossible, yet there remains so lively a spark of certainty in the mind, I know not whence it comes, that although all other hopes die out, it cannot, if it would, quench his ardent spark of confidence. At last, I said, as our Lord's words are accomplished, at which the soul is so satisfied and joyful that it can do nothing but praise his majesty, more because it sees his words prove true than on an account of the thing itself, even though it may be of the consequence to the person concerned. So what she's saying here, there's confidence in his soul. Confessors, spiritual directors are human, many experience with the supernatural, and may offer damaging consultation, or just wrong consultation. It happens, they're human, right? That's what she's getting here. We, the receivers, are fallible, and our confessors and spiritual directors are fallible. So that makes it all the more difficult. So test the spirit and follow the inner Jesus spark of certainty that tells you to hold on to this locution. And like I said, put it on a spiritual shelf if, it's, if you feel it's not going to happen for a while. When the prophetic comes to pass, the soul is filled with joy and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. And those are, oh, wow, that's right. And she said the, the soul is more excited that it come to pass than what was, was in the prophecy sometimes. Because just like it's the God fulfilling his promise. The joy is there. We rejoice on the promise of God's word to us more so than the coming to fruition of the locution. Cool stuff. You see, see why she's the master? She knows how to take us down these roads. Very cool. So this wraps up part one. I think there's 27 paragraphs in Six Mansions chapter three, and we went through the first 13. And so we'll part two will carry on uh, 14 through 27. I hope they got the count right. 14 through 24, I have to go look at it. There, but it was in the 20s. So part two is coming after this. So in conclusions, we can hear from three sources. God, our mind, soul, and spirits, slash angelic. It is wise not to seek counsel of angels. It's the bad ones who usually respond. So don't go, Jesus, I want to speak to angels, or I'm talking to my angels, I'm commanding my angels to go before me. You're not partnering with angels or not. Be very careful of that. The bad ones always respond. Only God talks to his angels. 
we partner by interacting with what the angels are doing. St. Teresa of Avila says, Hearing God is fallible because of the receiver, us. The soul can make things up. A spiritually mature soul can tell the difference between the three sources. I can. I can hear this demonic chatter coming in. You know, and I can tell when the soul made something up. And it's blatantly obviously when the soul does. How can the beginner tell if the message is from God? God will build you up with the prophetic message. That's one number one. Very simple stuff. God will build you up. God's message is good. Devil's message is bad. That's from one of my old mentors, Bob Johnson from Night Strike Ministries. He used to have this thing. God good, devil bad. Right? So if something's knocking you, you're an idiot, you're a fool, that's devil. God's going, you can do this. You can make it. You, you can finish what you started. You're going to make it. You're going you're to get through this. You're going to get through this trial. You'll be vindicated. That's God. So God has exhortation and the devil has condemnation. And the soul just randomly makes up everything all in between. And you'll start knowing when it's Jesus or when it's the soul. But that's the biggest problem right now for new people. Like I said, if it comes in condemnation, it's the devil. Trash it. Because God doesn't work that way. God did not come to condemn the world, right? For, for God gave his only begotten son, and the son did not come to condemn the world. Remember that. So when Jesus speaks to you, it's exhortation, right? And if you just have to start sorting out what's a soul and what's not. And that takes time. It's, it's a learning curve. God allows you to learn. You're allowed to fall off your bike, like as I like to say. So don't worry about it. That's why it's spiritual direction. Go seek spiritual direction from somebody that's farther up than you. Somebody has humility and somebody doesn't call themselves being in an office. Look for somebody that's runs in humility and knows how to hear from God. And I should probably do something on hearing God later on down, you know, just to bring guys up to speed. But again, the current book I really like is Mark Verkler, The Four Keys to Hearing God. Excellent book. That's something to go get. I'll put it in the show notes. I think I mentioned it several times before. Ah, spiritual exercises. We get another one. Acquired recollection. Practicing his presence. Where would our St. Teresa of Avila be without practicing spiritual exercises? What do we got, Mike? Ah, we're going to do recollection. And we're going to do some contemplation here. So like I said, if you're in that spot right now, just kind of close your eyes and relax. But not if you're driving. Keep your eyes open. I sometimes listen to podcasts in my car, so I can't do this in my car. But if you're at home, or wherever you're at, your office, you know, close your eyes, relax, and just listen. Still your mind. We're not going to purge our mind. We're not Zen Buddhists. We're going to still our mind. Just shut down things that are going on. Stuff that pops in the mind, just close it down. Psalm 46.10 Be still and know that I'm God. Whatever pops in the mind right now, it's not important. Just let it go dark. Let it close down. Shut it down. Any thoughts? The imagination will try to pop stuff in. So the intellect, just let them be quiet. Calm down. All the faculties of my mind, be still. Know that I'm God. We're dialing Jesus. We're calling out to him. Just close your eyes and picture Jesus in your mind. Just picture him. See if you can see his facial details. See if you can see Jesus looking at you in the face. He's just looking at you in the face. What's his facial expressions? What's he saying? What's he, what's he doing? What's he look like? What's his facial expressions? Is he happy to see you? Does it bring him joy to see you? Just relax. Relax and look at it. Relax. Relax around with Jesus. 
It's going to con- do some contemplation over scripture about hearing God. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. Verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. I just want to relax now. And redo verse 13. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So Jesus, we just ask you right now as we look, in your, look into your eyes and your face, especially those who haven't heard you speak yet. Can you give them a word, a simple word? Or perhaps a simple gesture? Perhaps just a smile that conveys your love? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What is it you want to tell this person? Let them hear from you. What is it they want? What do you want them to hear from you, God? Especially if they haven't heard your voice yet. Just let them hear inside in the superior part of their mind. Let them hear you. Maybe just something simple they can understand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now that we've heard it, let's test the spirit. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have come out in the world. As you're gazing into Jesus' eyes, just look at him. Look at him. And test the spirit where the words came from. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you're amazing. We love you. We all want to hear locutions from you. We want to hear your instructions that come from your mouth, your words. We want to dial in to the will of the Father and the convictions of the Holy Spirit and into your supernatural language. Show us the mysteries, the unknown. Help us unpack what we read in the Bible. Or just help us through trials that we're going through daily. Any encouraging words you have for this person for the trials, give it to them now. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we shut this down in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. All right. So we come in for a landing here. That's it for Interior Castle, Six Mansions, Chapter 3, Part 1. So next time, we're diving into Part 2, which, as I said, is, it's chapters like 14 through 24 or 27. I don't know the exact number. I'll have to go look. I spent so much time in Chapters 1 through 13, I forgot the number <laughs> preparing this one. 
Uh, we got lots of cool stuff. And then, after, then we're in chapter four in Raptures. So I got some good stuff about that too. Good stuff. This I love the six mansions and material. A lot of good stuff here. Especially like hearing God and going to visions, going to raptures, have the soul picked up, the body picked up. Cool stuff. So if you like this, hit the like button on the podcast you're streaming from. You know, recommend us to others. Like I said, we're up to four listeners and a dog now because I think we had two other listeners. I met in my class, so we're up to four listeners and a dog. So the, as you can see, the uh, the audience is exponentially growing. We're getting there, right? <laughs> Maybe someday down the road we'll have eight listeners. We'll see. So if you like this, like I said, hit the like button your podcast or like the YouTube guys, 14-year-old YouTube guys games, gaming parts. Smash the like button, you know? <laughs> um, the hosting site for this podcast and listing all the podcasts there, all 72 of them, is at a field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com. And we really love it. If you help us produce more content, we're really down there in the coffers right now of <laughs> financing this. And it's because we got hit with inflation. I know you guys got hit too, but we're surviving. We're surviving on providence and provision from Jesus Christ. He, we've been through lots of stuff. We've been around for a while. This ministry's been around, oh gosh, I know. I'm dating myself here since probably like 15 years, but I've been doing ministry over 20. Um, so yeah, our PayPal account is m16ministries at gmail.com. There's also a donation button off of field guide to spiritualwarfare.blogspot.com for PayPal. And um, our books are available at www.afg2sw.com. If you're on the, the videos slides, you can see that. Or it's also on the um, field guide spiritualwarfare.blogspot.com. Check us out. And I love you guys and I appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions, you can go to a field guide spiritual warfare to blogspot.com, leave comments off this episode, or go to our Facebook, a field guide to spiritual warfare, and leave comments or questions there, and I will answer them regarding this material. I think this stuff exciting. It's long, but you know, it's this is where it's at. You have to hear from God within doing spiritual warfare, deliverance, exorcisms, you know, long-term battles, prophetic. This is all where it's at, hearing God in this chapter right here, locutions. It's all about. So God bless you guys from the M16 Bucker. Until later, amen. God bless, guys. <laughs>